Ding dong. The witch is dead. Hey. Do you reckon we'll get this done tonight? Yes, well, we we're, will. we're starting now, so. Okay. Ready? Seti? <laughs> Spaghetti. <laughs> what are you? Like eight years old. Ready, <laughs> Seti? <laughs> All right, we've got some excitement back in the room. Ready, Seti, Spaghetti. And on three, two, one. Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? It's just like a story chance of ideas. Either version, I love both versions. Other special guests. Hi, this is Larry Grant. You're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hi, this is Ricky Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hey, everybody, this is St. Paul Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast, recently named by NME Magazine as one of the top 11 podcasts to make your commute more amazing. So we hope it does. Uh, We hope uh, you're entertained by the Peach and Black crew because we do this all for you. And with that, here's our official, non-official, artificial age album review. (laughs) (laughs) And introducing the panel... The officially unofficial. That's right. It's uh, MC introducing the panel of Peach and Black experts. Captain. Like a cage to my dove. Toe jam. Blowing up Lady Liberty's dress. Woo! And player. Rub it on her back. Okay. <laughs> what a way to start the show. Good vibes being spread all around this virtual hey, roundtable. table. 80th show. This is the 80th Peach and Black podcast show. Funny, I don't wow. feel 80. <laughs> you know, that's how, that's how somebody asked age. me. Someone was asking me about this today, and I'm like, "Oh, it's been five years." And then I thought, "It's been six years. We started in the start of 2009, right?" Yeah, that's right. So it's well, we... all of 2009, 10, 11, hmm. 12, 13, 14. So we are almost at the end of the sixth year. Wow, we're getting that's to insane. number seven. Exactly wow. seven. <laughs> and to cap it all off, Captain. The Peach and Black podcast was recently named in NME magazine online as one of the top 10 or 11 podcasts on the internet to listen to on your commute. So, so make, your, um, make your commute amazing. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I can't disagree. I, for one, can't disagree with that. So um, if you're so- out there and you're driving, just... You know, just for safety, keep an eye on the road. Keep two hands on the wheel. We don't want you to get too excited. That's amazing. This is coming. A big shout out to Lucy Jones of the NME, who uh, name checked us. Thank you very much, Lucy. And uh, for anyone keen on finding out the latest and greatest in in new music and music articles, check out Lucy's blog. Okay, and with that, let's get into what we do best, which is talking Prince music. And today's a massive show ladies and gentlemen, because we are about to go into our thoughts 
our point of view, our world-famous roundtable discussion of Prince's new record, Artificial Age. That's been a long time coming. It has, well, it has actually, it's been over four years. (laughs) It has been over four years and this album was released late in September 2014. We've had a little bit of time now to let it sink in. And I think we've done that. I mean, this album has really been on repeat at my place. Everyone else has been spinning it, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the only thing is... That, you need to fix that on your CD player, you know, so it doesn't... <laughs> well, actually, I said spinning it, but I haven't been spinning anything because the darn vinyl hasn't rocked up at my house. They've delayed the release of that for the time being, but can't wait looks- to get my hands on that. Before we go into our uh, infamous track-by-track analysis, just some quick general thoughts conversation starters anything at all that you guys want to chime in on before we we uh, review the songs piece by piece this is the first prince album in some time <laughs> that's, my, else? that's my huge contribution to the show so far <laughs> I, think, I think it's sort of it's i don't want to say it came out of nowhere but it's like we knew that plectrum electrum like that had been in the works and that was being pumped for a good year or so so we kind of knew that was coming there's all there was also all that talk about the mpg album coming out and and sort of the year, year or two before that then sort of out of nowhere it's like oh next thing you know there's a solo prince project and it's interesting the way that it just, like it just sort of came out of nowhere it did yeah we didn't know anything about it certainly not artificial age you're right Tojem. this one was pretty much kept under lock and key right even though we had heard a couple of singles we didn't know they were going to be on this album mm. so that's and i'm sure we'll get into all that artificial age has been out for about two months now so it, it's, uh, it's done pretty well on the charts. I think most of the major countries, it was in the top 10 in the first week. So that was always good to know that he's out there making money. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it mm. charted and then it sort of dropped off and then it sort of picked up again in iTunes after the Saturday Night Live appearance. Which is great to see because that proves that when you do a great live appearance, people, you know, you're in the public conscious consciousness just like our plectrum electrum review we had a fan vote it was done at the same time thousands of our listeners voted in if you don't know what the gist of that is go listen to our plectrum electrum show but basically we gave the opportunity for our listeners to rate these tracks and we'll bring you the results as we go through each song all right all right so with that why don't we go straight into the music and start at the very beginning of this record track number one it's the title track a variation on the title of this album it's called Artificial Cage. Cage, cage, cage. Cage, cage, cage. Age, 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 age. Artificial. Artificial. And with that, Toe Jam, why don't you open up your, your thoughts on this uh, first song review? Well, welcome home, class. Welcome home. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say straight up, this can at times be my favorite song on the album. I think it's cool. It really sets up the theme for the album, this sort of futuristic sci-fi theme, and the music is just banging all the way through, I think. The bass line reminds me a lot of the Jamiroquai song, Don't Give Hate a Chance. It sort of has this big descending bass line that just sort of moves around into different chords. I love the intro with the welcome home class and the, the speaking, I don't know what, what they're saying, and it's crowd Danish. cheering. and it's Danish. Danish. Oh, okay. And you've got all these cool orchestral like oohs and ahs going on in the back. It really sort of opens it up in this big sort of almost operatic intro. And you've got all these cool crazy sounds going on. And then it gets into the funk verse. It's big like Vuvuzela sound in a minute. Just... 
Uh, that's a cool way. And then it goes into the verse. And obviously it starts off with this sort of disco feel. And then it goes into the verse. And it's this real funk, you know, almost black album kind of funk feel. But it's sort of a kid's melody as well. This, And it's got a, like, like a glockenspiel going on in the background in the verse, which is this weird contrast. It's like kiddie melody with this like dark funk bass and um, lindrum going on. And then it goes into this disco chorus, which has the classic like Larry Graham descending bass line octave slaps and all this sort of stuff it's got a real janelle monet sound there's a bit in the song where like all these vocals come in Ooh. reminds me of heaps of that janelle monet sort of sound going on it's got a rap part which is like it sounds i think it's prince with like a pitch fix vocal um, but it sounds very cool because it actually sounds like someone different but the more you listen to it i think no i think that is actually prince doing it and i just love the whole theme of the song of this whole like you know the idea of this this world is a cage and you have to try and escape it which is kind of the thing that keeps coming back in the album. And there's all these references to what's going on in the, in the political world. There's, there's bombs going off all the way through the song, uh, just these like synthetic bomb sounds. And they're always on the one, just... Uh, and you get like these lead-ups to them in the background, this whoop, and then boom. Just, and to me, it's just like this imagery of like, you know, war bombs going off. But there's all this funky stuff going around it, uh, which Prince loves to do, this sort of war and funk mix. I love some of the lyrics. My favorite lyric in the entire album is... The one I referenced, um, going up ladies' liberty dress to, to blow. Uh, that just, that's such a cool lyric on so many levels as a sexual pun, as also a reference to like, you know, blowing up monuments and this sort of thing. I love the way he does it. It's like a perfect mix of, of metaphor and uh, symbolism, etc. 244, you've got some, oh, this is the big one. When it comes at the end with the big boom and, and it changes vibe completely and this big synth bass, real dark synth bass comes in and it starts getting a bit crazy, even more crazy than it already is. Uh, you've got references to waterboarding in there. There's obviously someone being waterboarded and they're being asked, you know, what do you know and all this sort of stuff. And the music goes into this more Arabic feel with the synth guitar solo thing, which is very reminiscent of Thunder from the Diamonds and Pearls album and the Symbol album, that sort of sound. The bass in that part is really cool. I don't know what it is, but it's obviously some sort of synth bass, but it's just got this real chuggy sort of sound, this chung, 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 chung. And that's awesome, that bit. Uh, <laughs> you've got the vocals going on in the left and right, the artificial cage, which is like really reminiscent of controversy. You know, all these little like princisms in there, all locked in together. And then at 321, it's just the big bomb again. Boom! Explodes. I oh, mean, this this song just has everything in it. It just it's a it's a landscape of all these sounds. It's got the funk, it's got the disco, it's got the crazy lyrics, it's got pitch fixed vocals all the way through. This is like classic Prince to me. And I'm gonna say this on a few songs, but this song has a love sexy vibe about it. And I love sexy is my favorite Prince album. Well, on par with a few others. And this song, in, in as well as a few others, have that love sexy sound to it. I just love it. So it's great. Great intro to a great album. And a great intro review to Jam G. You <laughs> really went in on that. I told you I had some notes. You certainly do. You got me thinking about a few, a few things that I didn't pick up on when I listened to this song. I've got a couple of quick things I want to say about the music itself. It's a combination of... Pretty much his entire catalogue almost. All in three minutes. <laughs> in about, <laughs> yeah, to a degree. All of the elements are there in different ways. Like you've got Minneapolis sound elements. You've got, you know, a crunching power chord guitars. You've got him singing in almost his entire register from low to medium to high, including, you know, vocal um, effects on his voice. You've got typical four to the floor beat. But then you you have bass pops, which really funks it up. You've got funky guitar riffs, synths all over the place. He speeds it up, he slows it down. He speeds it up. He, it's like a kaleidoscopic performance where he's taking all these 
disparate sound bites almost and he and he's put them together mixed them up shaken them up and created a great opening pop song that is kind of reminiscent you know when you said Janelle Monet, I was thinking exactly the same thing it is it does have that feel because it's futuristic the thematic content talks about you know a, fu- a future age an artificial age an artificial cage obviously that's what the song's called so it's got this cool science fiction type element the rap is really it's just long enough you know any longer and it and it would start to get into i think probably um it just it just wouldn't make a lot of sense but he just puts it in there and and it's just long enough and then those middle eastern egyptian type arabic sounds towards the end are great where he's playing he's doubling up the 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 melodic lines on the bass and on the guitar and yeah this is under four minutes as well so it is a it's crazy it's, it's a crazy opening song yeah I just want to say with that verse chorus, you know, it has the choruses, this sort of disco thing, and then the verse is this funk thing. It's almost like, you know, you zoom out and you're looking onto this artificial world and everything looks rosy. Then you zoom in and you've got the funk verse. It's like, no, nah, there's some there's some deep shit going on here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is. I mean, the song is all over the place, but he manages to string it all together into a complete whole. It's still... I kind of get weirded out when I when I listen to it. The first time I heard it, I didn't know what to make of it. And the more I listen to it, the more used to it I get. But there's still something about the song that is a little left of center, to say the least. And I think it's quite incredible that a guy who's been around for so long, who's put out so much music, can still wear his creativity on his sleeve in this sort of way. Because it really is pretty remarkable. Like, it's not a straight-ahead pop song. It's almost just this strange Prince-infused cacophony of sounds somehow it works i think it's a strong opener and i can't wait to keep listening to it and to pick up all the little bits and pieces that are in there because you mentioned a few that i didn't even realize like the bombs i I didn't quite get that when i listened to it so i want to go back and hear it uh captain what are your thoughts i have many things to say some are my things and there's a bunch which are someone else's but they're very good so guess what i really like this song it's (laughs) a prince track and it's just a totally nuts track and you never know what is going to happen next now i'm not going to go every single thing but there's a few really good things just straight at the start 16 seconds in you get that the guitar comes in straight away reminds me of chelsea rogers i don't know why because it's not that similar but i just think of that every time and then 46 seconds in you get that guitar with the funky bass line coming in i like the melody of the verses and in the verses you've got that whatever it is that's good and that goes through a whole bunch of the song. And I like the little electric guitar bits. There's a female on some backing vocals. Does anyone know who that is? I have no, no. idea. Well, it's not, it's not Andy Allo. Well, nothing's really credited on the album. So it's mm. a... It could be anyone. Stab in the dark, yeah. Oh, actually, I think it's um, the Golden Hippie, which is um, Marissa Jack. Oh, okay. I think it's her. We think. It, yep. could, be, it could be her. The, the big chorusy parts remind me of... The remix of Loose, Let Me See Your Body Get Loose, reminds me of that. 215, the great rap. Prince is a great rapper. And he, here is more, yet more proof of his rap skill. It's great stuff. Uh, 245, I love that slow part that comes in. I think Toe Jam said that as well. It's not a new thing to do, but it, it works. Uh, 259 is some cool guitar stuff. And yes, there's some sort of waterboarding thing. I, ha- I don't have a clue what it's about, but we'll get to that in a minute. I only wish this song was longer. It's 341, roughly. That's, that's just too short. But even in that short 341, there's so much just squashed into it. 
That, that's all I have to say about that song. I like it. It's got lots of cool stuff. I'm just going to read this direct quote. This is from Rimshot Bob from Prince.org. Now, this is his interpretation of this song, I Have Changed Nothing. This is exactly what he said. And it blew my mind because my brain does not work on this level. <laughs> but just, just listen to this. And then we'll talk about what this guy says. Okay. Starting right now. He's taught, this is Prince. He's talking about breaking out of the artificial cage that we're all forced to live in by the greater society, whether that be through the record labels, radio stations churning out, you know, art, through the digital window of social media, where communication is now mostly virtual, not physical, which is clouds in the next song, or just through the constraints of society in general that are guided and governed by mass media and corporate entities where anything strange, different, or away from the norm is treated as suspect. Going up Lady Liberty's dress is about undermining the symbol of the status quo. Lady Liberty was supposed to represent the freedom of the new world, but that free new world has become chained to a narrow-minded vision that celebrates money, power, status, celebrity, and the 1%. So blowing her dress up is a double-edged, embarrassing the status quo by blowing the dress up, as in a gust of wind a la Marilyn Monroe, showing its underwear as a more playful side and revolution, blowing up this jaded symbol of freedom as a means of breaking out of the artificial cage. On the other side, of course, once he challenges the status quo and mentions those watchwords, liberty and blow, he's captured and waterboarded, treated as a terror suspect because he's different and wants to upset the norm. We need you to tell us what you know is repeated scornfully and then followed by a watery, muffled, let me go. That, I read that and it just blew my brain I'd never away. thought of it that way, that actually that he's the one being waterboarded after blowing up. I'd never thought of that. That's that, pretty cool. That's really interesting, yeah. I, I didn't think of that either. I read that because I didn't get any of this. This stuff, this sort of stuff, I don't even, it's not on my radar. I just it's, listen it's to the lyrics. song. It's lyrics. It's lyrics. lyrics, yeah. <laughs> I listen to the song and I'm like, that's a song. I don't think <clears> there's <throat> a message or he's saying something. And then I read this and I'm like, holy crap, this is what you get from listening to lyrics? <laughs> Captain, you have to now listen back to Prince's entire discography and actually hear the words. <laughs> but man, You're going to find some really interesting... This guy, Rimshot Bob, he needs his own show. He needs a podcast because that's unbelievable. <laughs> Seriously. That, yeah, that's pretty good. I'll, I'll, I'll credit that. That's pretty good. I read that and I'm just like, holy moly. That is so far above my brain capacity. I, I just couldn't believe it. And I had to say the whole thing. So big clap for this guy. That's unbelievable. Oh, he was looking at my notes. Now I have got to throw out all my. <laughs> oh, notes. that's exactly what we you should. Were gonna we say. should probably also mention that Rimshot <laughs> Bob is actually Prince. Which is really <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that's correct, if that's a correct view of this song, and that guy actually interpreted that song correctly, then Prince has done it. That's a, that's a good song. <laughs> if, no, no. If that's the message he wanted to get out, and yeah. someone actually got that message. From that track, then job done. Not only that, but I think it really kind of changes to a degree what we're all about to talk about because I didn't think of this album as deeply as as that. I know. I I we know, I don't think we any of us ever do. You know, we make jokes and we laugh, but I, we you know occasionally there's some serious. Well, stuff, the other three of us do listen to the lyrics, Captain. But <laughs> <laughs> I listen to the lyrics I like. <laughs> so there you go, Captain. Artificial cage. More to it than meets the eye, or, or or the ear, I should say. But it seems just from that, and it's not just this song. I mean, this song, I think, says that, but I think that's a, a general theme through the album, which I didn't get at all, mm. because I just don't pick up on those things. I just listen to the songs. I don't listen out for messages or, you know, what's the point of this? Yeah, 
I think this is the album to really pay attention to it. I mean, I was get I was getting parts of what that guy's what Rimshot Bob. Some of the things that he was referring to, they're obvious. You know where he's being, you know, blasted under cold water or whatever it is. Um, when he's talking about uh, Lady Liberty's dress, I thought it was something along the lines of he's just he's a rebel, you know, and he's he's doing things his own way and he's declaring that society's pretty much gone to shit you know like the world we live in is is a bit of a joke these days and it's a cage and he's trapped in it and he wants to get out but i mean this guy went into way more detail so props you know props to him but see how smart i am i didn't even make any connection at all <laughs> between the rap and then three seconds later he's getting waterboarded i just thought that's just some random sound effect he's thrown in because that's what prince does mm. you know yeah there's, it there's didn't even to occur consider. to me that it was related to anything and then i read that and it just totally blew my mind it was captain crazy. this could be the album that that converts you to a a lyric listener yeah <laughs> okay and with that player round out this review of the intro track Okay, this is obviously the album opener, and musically it's grandiose in its sound to reflect that. It opens up, it has this big stadium-type reverb sound, so again, it sounds like it would be suited to a concert, like a live opener. It does have some cliché dance music motifs in the opening before the first verse kicks in. It kind of reminds me of listening to Scooter or something from like a 90s rave or something, that intro part. But Mm. isn't that ironic? Isn't he making fun of that music by putting it in this track? I don't think so. I don't think he's making fun of it, but I think it's more like this sort of cherry pop kind of thing, and then it's like he's going to funk it up. That's the way I see it. There's lots going on in this track. Um, Parts of it reminds me of My Name is Prince. Lots of altered vocals, uh, layered, high-pitched, low-deep, and everything in between. Lots of dance music elements, synths, and deep synth bass, as well as slap bass and chicken grease guitar, and studio trickery with the panning and the water sound effects. And from 3.11, you have the uh, String Genius orchestration with Prince doubling the same lines with heavy guitar. So it's an intensive listen. I was like Uto Jam, the rapper I initially thought was a rapper until you realize it's Prince with the pitch altered. Lyrically, it's interesting. The line, um, ghettos to the left of me, Mars to the right, it's instantly reminiscent of the lyrics in The Cross. Same sort of um, yeah, verse there. Yeah, I knew that was from something and I couldn't pick it. Yeah. And each verse finishes off with something different. So the first verse is a place in heaven far off in the future. The second verse is a place in heaven somewhere in the future. And the third verse is artificial age in the future. So it's interesting, like, each verse, he, he changes it up. Thematically, to me, the concept of people's minds being an artificial cage and locked up to restrictions, that's the way I see it, really helps set up the premise of the album's loose concept that becomes apparent by the last track of the album, which we'll get to. It's very similar to the discussion we had on Fix Your Life Up on the Plectrum review about mind state. You know, if your mind is closed, it's only locked by, say, an artificial cage. As you guys have said, a couple of terrorism references, the waterboarding, the tell us what you know, the Lady Liberty dress, so it's all in there. Um, I like this track, but the one thing that blemishes it musically for me is at the one minute mark, the use of that air horn that you hear on all those J.R. Rodham produced pop songs. I was for a moment like... Oh, you know, someone at the record store mixed up my Prince CD with a Jason Derulo <laughs> CD. I love that. It sounds like a Vuvuzela or something. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, player. I don't like that at all. I, I don't know, I don't know what that... Whoever put that in there, it, it serves no purpose. No, it's... no, that's all the ironic thing. That's all... I think it's Here's supposed to be... Here's all this ridiculous, like, electro dance music and air horns and stuff that everyone else is doing. 
I'm going to do two seconds of it to show you it's ridiculous. No, I think and it then works we're perfectly. The, then we're going to do the funky stuff. No, it works perfectly because you've got this big happy intro and then it's like, and then it goes into, the, it's like, you know, an alarm, like a siren going off and then it's into the funk verse. Okay, mm-hmm. it's cool. You said alarm, Toe Jam. When I think of it as an alarm, it starts to make a lot more sense, especially considering that what the song is potentially about. But yeah, I, I never picked up on that. Interesting. Does anyone know I, what the Danish vocals are? It's translated. pretty much what he says in English. It's like, welcome to the classroom and welcome back. Okay. And it's there pretty is, much there the is similar translated. thing. Yeah. But yeah, that air raid horn, the way I saw it was it's kind of like um, Josh Welton producing it and he's introducing like contemporary sounds into Prince music. That's the way I saw it. But, you know, it makes me want to take a shower. You know, I'm just waiting for that <laughs> JJJJJR, like that rubbish that you hear on. You know, like I said, a Jason Derulo CD. Hmm. It'd be like JJJJW. <laughs> Hello to all the Jason Derulo fans out there. Yeah. I don't think they're I mean, listening like, to this show. Yeah. I like the technique employed at the end where the voice winds down and gets slower and slower mm. to almost non-existent because that helps transition to the next track because this is really fast tempo and the next one's like really sort of kick back. So it's really good how he sort of brings it down to, to sort of transition that way. Overall, I think it's a strange track, but it's a necessary intro to set up the rest of the album. And once again, we've talked way too long about the first track, but again, it's worthy of it. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Let's go into song number two. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> Before we go into song number two, player, why don't you tell us where where this song landed on the fan vote? Okay, for the fan vote, Artificial Cage, the love box got ticked by 30%. The like box got ticked 34%. And neutral was 23%. So a lot of people like this song, but overall it came ninth. Um, wow. on the grand scheme of things. So there, there's Nine eight other... How many tracks? 13 tracks. Ooh, really? Mm. In so a way, it's not surprising, but I'll talk about that later when I go yeah. into my overall... I mean, a lot of people like this song, but in the grand scheme of things, there's eight other tracks higher than this. The dislike box got ticked by 8% and the hate box by 4%, so it's quite low. So it is a, a good indication that people like this Ooh. track. Yeah, for sure. Okay, song number two, Clouds. Captain, open this one up for us. Oh, okay. Okay, so we start off with the radio tuning sounds. Radio is dead, we all know it. Prince, just get over it. It was cool back in 1992 doing that. But, you know, not now. Anyway, that's just the first... That's not even the song. Musically, I think this is pretty weak. It starts off sounding a bit funky, but when you really get down to it, there's a beat, there's a couple of random bass notes and some little guitar notes and a couple of piano notes, and that's it. It all stands on the vocals, which I don't think are strong enough to save this song. 245, it just all falls apart when the English lady comes. You know, if I could just cut that whole part out, that's something I need to do. But there's a few positive things. I really like the flow of the lyric, you should never underestimate the power of a kiss on the neck when she doesn't expect. That just fits very well. That's good stuff. At 219 and 240, there is the classic Lindrum sound. Go and listen to it. It's I think it's only in those two spots in the entire track. I listened through, I couldn't hear anywhere else except 219 and 240. It's the classic Lindrum. That's a very cool little thing to chuck in only twice in a track. Right when he says new age, 
I think it's at 2.19. You get two hits of that classic Lindrum sound we all know from some classic tracks. Go and listen to that. Uh, there's a nice little guitar solo, 3.45. But overall, I think this is a weak track. You know, this is the this typical track Prince does in his sleep. The end. Wow, I couldn't... Personally, I couldn't be any different in, in my... <laughs> In how uh, I react to this song. Weak. This, this song is killer. Yeah. This song is absolute killer. And it works so much better in the context of the album than it than it did when it was released as a single. Sexy lyrics, tight groove. Leanne La Havas is so sensual. I better stop right there before I get carried away about her. Plenty of mojo on this song. It's a song about the conflict between, you know, a cloud-based future society and humanism, romance, love, sex, and all that jazz. There's a great breakdown at around the three-quarter mark of this song that actually reminds me, for some reason, of the really cool funky breakdowns in the song Crystal Ball. I don't know if anyone else heard that, but it's just... It breaks down on the offbeat, and then he's got awesome bass slaps and the acoustic guitar in both channels of... You know, I was listening to this on headphones, and it really did... It made me groove hard. I was bopping my head to this song... I think the Leanne La Havas breakdown is awesome. It really is. It creates a vibe and, like I said, it comes across sensual and it comes across futuristic. Her voice fits the, the melody perfectly. I think the production on this is top-notch. It's just a really solidly executed pop song, but it's, again, left of center, just like the album opener, Artificial Cage. These two songs work really well together, from the boombastic opening into this futuristic, smooth, mellow, but yet funky-ass track. (laughs) I I just love it. I I really enjoy listening to it. Player, what are your thoughts on this song? Oh my god, I love this song. Um, ever since the preview, I thought this was a Star Trek. It's very loose and funky. Has some musical elements that he seemed to carry over from the 2010 album. And I think it has just the right mix of sounds. It's not cluttered with the, all the bells and whistles. This song breathes and floats like a cloud, which is great. The radio dial intro, I think, helps transition from the last song. Musically, you have some classic Prince elements like the Lindrum. Really nice sleigh bell shaker going through it. Groovy bass lines and riffing. Some really cool sporadic piano chords and noodling. A great example is at 255 during the Liana monologue. And acoustic guitar. A lot of people say this album is very electronic, but he uses a fair bit of acoustic guitar on this album, starting with this track and other songs we'll get to as we go along. But if you can't hear it, grab some headphones and listen out for it because it's really nice. And the guitar solo is great. It sounds totally improvised. It's a little disjointed and sporadic, but that's what gives it its character. I think it's really cool. Thematically, what does it all mean? Well, for starters, I do have a couple of issues with this song's lyrics. Firstly, the chorus is sexy as hell, but I just sent this <laughs> this quote to you guys just now. I did come across one of those so-called inspirational quotes off the internet. I was just like browsing internet and this quote comes up. And I'll post this picture on our Facebook fan page so you can all check it out. But the quote online is, Never ever underestimate the power of a kiss placed on the back of a woman's neck. And when I saw that, and knowing what we know about, you know, this could be us being inspired by an internet meme, got me thinking, you know, has Prince resorted to bumper sticker lyrics? <laughs> and is the internet his main source of inspiration now? I think it's very interesting because I saw yeah, this quote and it's very similar, like the chorus to this quote. So, I think I think when you say, has he resorted to that? that, that I think that's unfair because... Uh, yeah, it's unfair, yeah. but like, wh- where's his source of inspiration now but what, like, but what does it but does it really matter where your source of inspiration comes no, from? no it doesn't matter but like i know like he 
like he publicly said when this could be us was released, like mm. it was inspired by the meme. Yeah. So like now I'm seeing this quote, like mm-hmm. I'm starting to think like is everything being what he comes across online now? He's had. I don't know. Like that's, it's, that's a had, bit of a that's a bit of a like a long straw though, right? I mean, he, he's, he's had he's had four years to make this album, and all he did was troll the internet <laughs> for inspiration, and then made that album based on everything he saw in the last few years on the internet. I'm just that's putting it, it out there. It's a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it. I'm just putting it out there. One to think about. Anyway, <laughs> second of all, the chorus the chorus is great song starting point like I said it's sexy as hell but when you get to the verses which as good as they are I mean it changes the subject it diverts way off topic into something else which to me is a little odd that the chorus and the verses don't match but still strangely it works probably because it's so well arranged but I you know I like the song but I think it's just a little odd that you know he starts off with one subject he sort of like flips it into something totally different clouds thematically can be interpreted in a few different ways the most obvious is the anti-drug reference the um we're getting high off something that doesn't require clouds but for me the way i see it it's a bit of a follow-on from the stuff on no more candy for you you know he's making references to social media and ordinary people and reality degrade so-called celebs for being famous and quote-unquote musicians but once upon a time back in the day famous people who had obvious talent were called stars right and there were people in most cases you looked up to so if you're catching my reference here you look up in the sky and you see stars you know they shone bright and nowadays with these talentless hacks that people look up to you know they're not stars they're just clouds they kind of just float around they have no substance to them and i guess we need to get back to a time when we look up in the sky for stars instead of the clouds we seem to be seeing everywhere but wow. that's just interpretation <laughs> of it i did i didn't think of that at all i'm gonna have to listen to it again using your point of view I was I thinking think clouds should. as in cloud computing, like the technology, everything's becoming, you know, the, everything that's, that used to be tactile and physical and in front of you, like a vinyl album, mm. hint, hint, huh. is now being replaced and it's being digitized and it's sitting up there somewhere in the clouds. That's the way that, I mean, that's my interpretation of not only the song, but a large chunk of this album. He's making a comment on, in my opinion, the technology that's up somewhere you know, in the vast cosmos, we don't, we can't even touch it. We can't even feel it. It's all sitting on, on the internet somewhere in the, in the black, in the great wide black hole. Mm-hmm. Does anyone get that? Yeah, yeah. I get yeah. that. My sort of interpretation of it came from the lyrics, the, um, you know, reality so blurry and all of life's a stage and all that. So it's kind of like, like I was saying about, you know, ordinary people being stars, but they're not really stars. They're, you know, they're kind of just clouds and, you know, they're just sort of floating around and they sort of make a name for themselves even though they're not star worthy you know sort of thing hmm. but overall uh, this is a definite highlight of this album i think it's a cool effortless funky track it's really really good i love it okay F- effortless is right <laughs> <laughs> makes it sound effortless uh, toe jam uh, I think this is a great track as well. I was oh. so excited when I heard this the first time because it was the first song they put out from this album. And I just remember listening to it on headphones and going, yes, yes, this is this is like the Prince I know and love, you know. And again, the first thing I've written down is it's got that love sexy feel to it. And I can't pinpoint what that is, but it just has that feel to it to me. The clouds thing, we, I, I agree with all of these different ideas of what the whole clouds reference means. I would also throw in there to the mix the idea of a cloud being a you know, like after a bomb, it's the bomb and then there's the cloud. Like, and I get this through th- this song as well, like Artificial Age and this one. There's all these, like, in the background, there's all these sounds like that sound like missiles just going sh- and just splashing all through the background. This one's a bit more in slow motion, though. 
which is interesting. The whole groove is based on this. The beat it like comes in on the last semiquaver of beat four. So that's one, two, three, four, bow, two, three, four, bow. That's and there's like a few other songs that do that, but it's a really cool, interesting groove that sort of thing. And you get the bass that answers it, bow, bomp, bomp, dun, dun, bomp, bomp. Just a cool groove all the way through. I love the mix of the synth and the electric bass. Prince always does that well. And you've got, similar to the last song as well, you've got this contrast between the slow verse, dun, 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 really slow verse, but then the, the chorus is this quite skippy, up-tempo, never underestimate the power of, you know, this kind of thing. And I love the way he does that with his choruses. He always has these, like, big, long, skippy choruses. They're interesting. The whole song, to me, is, is the interplay between the, the keys, the bass, and the guitar. So much interplay going on there. Um, just listen to that all the way through. Some interesting lyrics, as a lot of them have been talked about. Uh, one I have we haven't mentioned is the whole tattoo less and proud one. You know, in an era where everyone where tattoos just everyone has tattoos now, but Prince is still out there. You know, following Leviticus very well, not getting a tattoo. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love the clear synth sound that comes in on the second chorus. Just this like going on in the background. Nice little addition as each chorus comes along. I feel the song could have done with one more verse. I know it's like two minutes when it gets to that bridge with uh, the female vocalist, but I reckon it could have done with one more verse. would have been better. I agree with MC. I like all the storytelling through it and the, the Mr. Nelson part. That's cool, that whole part. I love the music going on in the background in that part. Just the... Yeah. And the acoustic guitar that Play was talking about, it's playing the rhythm from Purple Rain. You know, it's the same like fingering pattern. Obviously, different chords and stuff, but that's, I don't know if that's intentional or just a coincidence. Uh, and you've got that big descending piano part that's really reminiscent of Anastasia. But then I, I think this might have been the bit MC was talking about. Um, there's a part in the song, I've got it 311. There's this massive rundown, and it's, it's just towards the end of that Mr. Nelson section. And the yes, whole band goes. That's the highlight of the song right there. I love that bit every time it comes on. Ah, something else to listen out for. The groove I was talking about, how it comes in on the last semi-quaver beat before. Just before that, like maybe half a second before that, in headphones, if you listen really carefully, you can just hear this like really like soft, really deep, I don't know what you'd call it, just this really low bass noise. It's just this almost like this little pianissimo rumble, just brrrr, and it just comes in just before it pops every time. And that's just a really cool effect, so listen out for that. I like it in the bit where she sings but we're here to help you. And the voice kind of changes a bit, and you think, ooh, is, is she a good guy or is she a bad guy? That's, that's cool. <laughs> and the song really feels like it, it's maybe, it feels like, ah, it's, it's all there now. When, when it gets to that, it's in my power to love you. It's in my power to, like, it just feels real settled at that point. But then you've got this guitar solo coming in, awesome bit. This guitar solo sounds very much like a love sexy kind of sound to it. Just like the last song, so much going on in the background in this song, and I love that stuff. And it's got a real classic Prince vibe to it. Interesting lyrically, interesting musically. It's a fantastic song. It's great. Well, I concur. (laughs) And even though I've gone through my review, I have to admit, this is such a strong follow-up to the first song, which was already a powerful, magnetizing, electric opening. So far, you know, we're two tracks in, and it's so futuristic. It's got elements of EDM, electronic dance music, modern sounds and effects, but it's still got classic Prince elements. You know, it's really eclectic, both this track and the first one. The production's current. Thank you, Joshua Welton, for your input. We'll never know exactly his involvement, but he is involved, and, you know, we have to assume that he played a part in in modernizing and updating to a degree Prince's sound. But 
oh man, it's just really, I'm really jamming to this album at this point. So I just wanted to add that quickly. One other little bit I forgot. That lo-fi intro is really cool. The way it's, it sounds like you're listening to like a, a really lo-fi YouTube video. You know, you're listening for a song on YouTube and it's like some old MP3 that's like pixelated to death. You think, oh, what's going on? And then it comes in, bow. That's cool. Bow, bow. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I played this. I played this to someone. Like it just came off my iPod in the car, and they're like, "Oh, you can tell this is like recorded off YouTube." And I'm like, "Just wait for it." Bow. <laughs> <laughs> Caught out. <laughs> and I remember the first time I played this on through the laptop when they first released the single. I accidentally clicked on it twice, I think, and so it started playing like one second after the other. And I was just like, "Oh, what's going on?" And it's like really low fi I'm like, "No, what's going on?" And then I stopped it at the perfect time, and it just came with that big bow. Yeah, that was a kick-ass intro. It is. It's really cool to listen to. I can't believe e- you candy. all love this song. Yeah, love it. I do agree with Player, though, that I think the only thing that might kind of pull it down is just the fact that the verse and the chorus don't really seem to gel. They're sort of talking about two different things, but oh, that's pretty minor. God, I just think it's so weak. I think well, it's almost like he needs a chorus. Oh, okay, well, I'll have a chorus about, you know, some sexual thing. It's like... But, print, oh. but I, I see, I see those two things. I don't see them as separate themes or concepts at all. Leanne is talking about the separation between people, and he's talking about getting together. So that's two opposite things. No, it's two branches from the same tree. She's talking about how everything's separate and everything's a complete mess. You know, society's in meltdown. And he's like, let me show you how to bring this stuff back. And that's where, you know, all the sensual, sexy vibes come in. He's talking about getting a flower in the shower and all this sort of stuff. (laughs) So to me, to me, that's why the song works. He's it's, rubbing his flower on her back in the shower. That's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That flower from the Love Sexy cover. That's, that, that's why it works, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll leave that up to the listeners, Captain. But I, I think that's exactly why it works. It's because of the fact that she is talking about the state of the world and his response is, yeah, well, I agree with you, but this is what we can do to make it better. This is what we can do to, to make things the way they're supposed to be. And it's about, you know, getting together. Now, he's talking about doing the deed. But to me, anyway, the element of human contact, physical contact that's missing in this artificial age, he's bringing it back. Anyway, maybe I'm going too deep. Speaking of the listeners. And the listeners vote, player. Captain is in the minority here. No oh, one. That's, ticked- that's no different from. <laughs> if I was your girlfriend, exactly. <laughs> no one ticked the hate box, so no one actually voted the hate, and only one percent voted dislike. So that I must have been that was Captain's was vote. One of yeah. them was me. Only eight percent were neutral on it, which means that forty-eight percent, forty-eight point five eight percent, love this track. So nearly fifty percent love this track, and forty percent like it. What? Yeah, so, so like almost eighty-eight percent. Yeah, either love or like this track. So it's definitely wow. winner. I think um, his performance on Saturday Night Live was really good. The only thing is, it seems to. I don't think we'll see it played live without Liana. I don't see him playing this live with any other vocalist. Do you get that impression? Do you know, like on um, Saturday Night Live, how he did Electric Chair, and he's never really done it since. I think we're getting yeah. the same with Clouds. He'll only do it, which is a shame because I think it's a really, really good track. If he can work that into live set, it'd be great because people seem to love it. I think the main thing that 88.5% like or love this track, and I'm in the 1% that doesn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) And and you're the 1% that's on this show. (laughs) Exactly. So that's why this show is so great. (laughs) Captain is the 1%. (laughs) (laughs) 
those 88.5% are Prince fans, obviously, but most likely also fans of R&B in general, which I am not. <laughs> You've said that. <laughs> which, But I think that's... Obviously, that's why I'm in the 1%. Most likely, yeah. Because and I don't particularly like that style of music. So uh, go figure why I like Prince. I don't know. But you're a man of contradictions. <laughs> and just finally, in the grand scheme of things, this came fifth. Ranks okay, fifth. pretty high that's up. Pretty high when you consider that it's 88% of the people like this and it's fifth. Yeah, crazy. Wow. Things so, be getting interesting about now. I'm curious about what they like more, though. I mean, I think these two tracks are up there as the two best tracks on the album. This show's getting good. <laughs> It's getting out of control. <laughs> okay, song number three. This was released This was shortly. released in abysmal sound quality. <laughs> shortly before the release of this particular album. The song is, of course, Breakdown. And to start off our review, we go to Toe Jam. Um, I love this song as well. Wow, where to start on this? Okay, so it starts very similar to Anastasia with this sort of just this piano chords, these four chords just sort of slowly being played one after the other. And then he comes in with the falsetto vocal. Listen to me closely. And, and each one finishes with a big <laughs> reverb that just sort of hangs out there. Yeah, reverb. Um, probably the only thing I'm not sold on this track is just this beginning because it, it comes across a bit weird, just the, the way he's, the order of the lyrics because it's like, this is going to be the saddest story ever told. I used to want the house with the biggest pool. And you're thinking, really? You're going to be whinging about because you didn't get the biggest pool? Like, it's not the way the song, it, it comes across that way. First when you listen world to problems. It. Yeah. It's like, the saddest story is he didn't get his biggest pool. And he drank Obviously, too much. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, that's not his, what he's saying, but it just sounds funny at the beginning. All right. So what makes this song is contrast in the choruses. And so you start with this, you know, soft little verse and then bang we're into when you get to the chorus it just it just boosts people in the head and what makes it amazing <laughs> well what i find fascinating about it is you've got the lyric the chorus going down 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 but the bass and everything else is going up 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 and it's fascinating to me because it's fascinating to me because it it totally changes the vibe of the song you're thinking is this song a song about being down or is this song a song about being up and i think the lyrics sound like sad lyrics but the music make it sound like this is actually like positive thing in a way the way the music's building up fascinating i love you know we've done that in a bunch of songs before yeah yeah it's it's a classic songwriting technique yeah. but i think it's just executed perfectly here and I love the way, obviously, in every verse and chorus, there's things building and there's more bells and whistles as it goes along. It's good in that sense. For example, verse two, you've got more of the synth strings arrangement going on, very Kama Sutra-like. Uh, you've got extra vocals on some of the words when it says waking up, there's a little extra harmony verb on there, going on there. The snare drum throughout it, I love the sound of the snare drum. It's so tight. It reminds me of like those little uh, like nine-inch snare drums, just like these little toy, well, not toy, but like little nine-inch, you know, three-quarter size snare drums, just really tight and, and crispy. Uh, sounds cool. And then obviously you've got the big chorus again coming up. Verse 3, you've got more piano only. Andy Allo joins in. And, and she I think the first line she sings is the somebody lyric. She just answers somebody. Andy Allo. Oh, Andy Allo's there in the background. you get got big lasers through it, um, which... Pew, pew, pew. Yeah. There's a bit of controversy about these lasers. I've never had a problem yeah. with them. I reckon they sound cool. The death lasers. I love the extra vocal in verse 3 where he sings behind me now and there's another little extra added layer vocal on that hind that sounds cool and there's a big lead up to the chorus and the vocals at 3 minutes to 3.15 are spectacular just I mean the guy's what 56 now seriously he's still hitting those notes crystal clear with 
so much passion. It's unbelievable to me. Crazy. I, I don't right get on. it. It's right totally crazy. In the very final choruses, you get an additional piano. And I was talking about how everything's going up and down. So you get the vocals going down, 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 down. Bass is going bass, 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 going up. The strings are sort of hanging there. And you get this additional piano. And the piano is just doing like this carousel, just going back and forth between like two notes. Which is fascinating because it's like something in the middle. So you got something going down, something going up, and something just hanging in the middle. I love the way it finishes as well with the closer to the break, closer to the closer to the breakdown. It's really cool. Now I know Captain's going to complain heaps about the sound quality of this, and I don't know. The more I listen to it, the more I think it's deliberate. The more I think this is pushed up to the max to get that distorted sound because it actually suits the song. It's the breakdown. It's like everything's being pushed to the max, and how much more can it take? You know. I'm starting to think that's actually kind of deliberate, but I don't know. It could just be like terrible mastering at the same time. Um, so I'll leave it there. There's, there's my review of The Breakdown. Uh, another fantastic song, and what a one, two, three punch to start up with. Okay. Player, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, this is a solid track. I think this is one of his best ballads in years. Musically, the strings are a really nice addition back into the music. It has a real heavy sound from the mixing and production that could have been on Plectrum musically, but fits on this album here th- sort of thematically. Uh, as Tojem said, the controversial lasers can be distracting for some, and I can see that point of view, but to be totally honest, I kind of like them. It just adds another layer to the soundscape. I think it's it's really cool. The background harmonies are really on point. The nice bright keyboard preset, whatever he's using there, it's, I like it. And um, like Tojem said, Prince's vocals, I mean, wow. Like, never ceases to amaze me the kind of range he can still reach this far into the game. So, um, pretty amazing. Thematically, it seems to fit with some other concepts that come up later in the album, essentially about, you know, it's about a relationship. Lyrically, he sounds very reflective and sad. That, again, becomes more apparent later in the album, but it's a realisation of not wanting the materialistic things, but the things or person that really matters to him. It's a great track, but it's got to be said, it's really marred by the mastering or the mixing. It just sounds really muddy and distorted in parts, which is a shame for a track as great as this, but maybe Toe Jam's onto something with the um, matching, you know, with the emotion. I think Toe Jam might be onto something. Just before we go to Captain on this, and to follow up what you were just saying, t- uh, player, it sounds like you're also not a, not a fan of it. And personally, I'm not either, but the more I think about what Toe Jam's saying... It makes a lot of sense because even though this album isn't mastered perfectly, there's a lot of a lot of the times the songs are in the red, and it can get a bit trebly and all that kind of stuff. This song is is the worst offender by far. It's almost like it to Toe James' point. It's by just far. so obvious and it's so audible Bad. that I kind of think this could be intentional because of all the things that Toe Jam said. You know, like the song itself. His vocals breaking apart. The song is breaking apart. The whole thing is splitting in two almost by the end of it. And I think when you think about the mastering, if it was crystal clear and well balanced, it may not have the overall, may not have the same impact. Hang on, what about like a song on the Come album, like Dark? Okay, it's not exactly the same, but like he's in like sort of a down mood, but like that's mastered beautifully. Like everything's so crisp clear, like, and this is just all sort of, I don't know, I just, I think he could have like taken it down on just maybe a little bit. Like I can still think he can convey the emotion without going into the red. Yeah, possibly. But yeah. it's it's interesting, isn't it? It's like if the song was mastered like that intentionally and we ever find out that that was the case, then to me it would be it would actually improve on the on the track because I would listen to to it in that context. But if we ever find out that it was just a shockingly bad mastering job, then I'd be 
I'd be with with you guys in the sense that I'd I'd be really disappointed because I'd like to hear the. It just depends on what you know perspective you're coming from, I guess. Yeah. If it is a, ma- it may not be a mastering problem, but it could be just like when, he, when he's recording it raw, he's just got it too too gainy or something. Hmm. So you know, I'm I'm just thinking if the ma- whoever mastered the album's out there going, it's not my fault. The bloody thing was pushed to the red to begin with. Yeah. So. That's, the, that's <laughs> another good point. That's another good point, though, Jim. I don't know. It could have happened. And and if it was recorded that way, and then he listened back and he thought, this is the take I want. I'm not recording this anymore. Well, Little Red Corvette, like the vocal yeah. in Little Red, Little Red Corvette, is is just distorted just as much. We never complain about that. Well. I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. speaking of complaints, let's get a captain on this. Captain, what are your thoughts Be- on the breakdown? Before I even start, <laughs> let's go back to what you just said. Okay. If Dark, you know, if the, you're saying if this song was recorded perfectly, it wouldn't have the same punch. Well, if, if Dark was recorded, you know, we didn't spend half the time talking about the mastering of Dark. We actually spent more time talking about the track itself. Mm-hmm. If this wasn't mastered so horribly, we'd be spending more time saying how great this song is, right? I think so. Possibly, yeah. Anyway, this is the breakdown of sound quality. It's just horrible. (laughs) I said this when it first came out. I think I said it in the first impressions. I think it sounds slightly better on here, I'm not sure, than the first release that came out, but this whole album has issues with loudness. People know what I'm talking about, but this song is... Yeah, MC, you said this song is the worst by far, which is unfortunate since it's one of the better tracks he's released in the last bunch of years. So it's to me, it's just a sad, unfortunate thing that one of the best songs he's written lately sounds so bad. You're right, it probably was, it might not be the mastering, it could have just been recorded horribly in the first place and there was nothing they could do about it. But he said, you know, that's the one I want, so make it work. But, you know, just record it again. Seriously. You've got your own studio, you're not paying thousands of dollars for studio time every hour, just do it again. Anyway, as for the song, you've got, everyone said it all, you've got the descending vocals with the ascending bass lines, that's always a good combo. There's big synthy strings. This doesn't have the string genius on it, does it? No. They sound pretty synthy yeah, to me. Yeah, it does. Oh, this is string genius as well? Yeah. Oh, okay, so they're on this track too. It sounds pretty synthy to me though, the strings in this one. Yeah, but String Genius is like a they combination of real... Yeah, they do that too. Okay, so it is them. Well, this is the thing. This is We had this gripe about, like in a previous episode, about how the credits aren't specifically credited. So it's just a guessing game of who's on what, where, and who yeah. produced what, and no lyrics and all these sort of stuff. So It could be String Genius. It could, it could be, be Prince. Prince with a yeah, preset. See, this song like, there's some, least... like there's some deep cello sounds in there. You can hear that. Like, you know, that could be a preset yeah. as well, but who knows? We'll never know. Let's get strings, string genius on here. They'll know. They probably won't. <laughs> they just gave him a pile of stuff and said, do what you want with it. Anyway, this song at least has a bunch of things going on in it. You know, musically, it, it's filled out unlike some other tracks on this album, which are just so sparse and, you know, musically lacking to me. You know, some songs, there's basically nothing happening at all. And I think Clouds is one of those. In other words, they're R&B songs. Pretty much, but at least this song's busy enough to keep me entertained until the end, so. Of course, we have the lasers, the death lasers, straight out of, um, they were on, like, the first or second album, they were on a track. It's or something. Yeah, it's classic he brought that back. Bring the lasers back. No one said this yet. I like the part where he counts one, two, three, four, five, six, and he stops on seven, because you have to stop on seven, because that's the number. The great vocals, I think Toe Jam said three minutes to 3.15, but absolutely 310 to 315 where he just loses it and it's great. I think it was the Dirty Mind album. There was 
there was some track on there we were talking about you know how raw and loose his vocals were back then and i think he almost gets to that in this part where he just loses it he just screams. i say he i say he does you say almost i reckon he does this is this is raw, like raw as raw as can get, right? See, I thought that, but now when I think about it and all you guys saying, oh, that part, that was the best part, you can still hit those notes, then after hearing you all you say that, I think, oh, it sounds forced. <laughs> I don't know why I think that. And then I think, oh, you just... And now you just, now you just try to be difficult. No, that's... that's <laughs> after, after all of you said, oh, that part, that's the vocal part, that's the best part... I even had it here. That's the best part as well. It's not even that he hits the notes. It's more just the like the emotion behind it. It's just like raw, just raw blurts it out, you know. But is there emotion behind it? We've talked about this before. Yeah, um, I think so. If it hits you, like I get a feeling in my gut when I hear him do that. It's not. I'm not saying, oh, what a great vocal performance. I'm thinking, geez, this guy's going through some stuff. See, to me now, I think he's trying to do a great vocal performance. But, well, not, I mean, not, is, not that there's really emotion and he just can't help what himself. Difference is it, what difference does it make? It's like whether he felt that emotion or whether he was doing a performance, either way, it gives other people an emotion. Correct. So, I, think, I think the important point to make is the impact on the, on the listener. If, do you feel something when you hear the song? I definitely do. I don't get any emotion out of it, but I rarely get emotion out of any of Prince's music. <laughs> there's, you know... Less than 5% of all his back catalogue, I will get something, you know, emotionally out of it. And this is not one of them. You know, we're here to listen to this and analyse it and dissect it. And because I go into it thinking that way, and now that I've heard all you say, oh, that part is so great. And then I think, oh, well, he might have just done that. So everyone says, oh, look, he's still got it. He can still hit those high notes when he's at at this age. Or he might have just been in the studio and it just came out of him. That feeling, that sound just came out of his soul and now it's on wax. That's quite possible. But unbelievable to me but that's fine here's a useless comment i could hear this track on the gold experience not just the brick wall mastering but it, i think it it just fit on there somehow i don't know why i can see that is this an older track though but we, we don't know it just turned up on this album it's definitely a couple of years old because it was played on pas mm. at, at gigs and stuff for a few years so okay so that's all okay. i've got to say about that okay my thoughts on this are this is a definite highlight and one of his greatest ever ballads without a doubt it's as simple as that this is absolutely stunning it's a masterful performance it's an amazing emotional moment in his discography i think it's absolutely perfect it's arguable whether the mastering ruins it or not on you know i'll listen to it one day and i'll think gee i wish it was clean and then another day in the future some so at some point in the future i'll think of toe jam's comment and i might think to myself maybe it was intentional so interesting little point there that we've already covered but this is an emotionally charged what i believe is a sincere and thought-provoking tune it's got that thick bass the musical commentary that, that toe jam gave about the effect what is it counterpoint or something contrast contrast that's right okay so the contrast versus ascending and descending notes is really well done. And again, Tojo mentioned this, but Prince is able to implement that musical device to progress the song into an emotional arena for me. I think it's absolutely magnificent. And you guys have covered all the musical content. I will just make the comment about the lyrics. I wonder whether it's You know, you could take this song a few different ways. It could be about a relationship breaking down. It could be about him having a breakdown or or the character in a song going through a breakdown. It could also be Prince commenting on other people in his life breaking him down or attempting to break him down. 
meaning trying to figure him out, constantly analyzing, critically assessing him. The Pitch and Black podcast hinted. <laughs> Look, Captain, Captain, I wouldn't be so bold. I wouldn't be so bold to suggest that the song Breakdown is in, was inspired directly by the Peach and Black podcast. I would not make that comment. It was inspired by his guitar tech back in Australia in 2012. <laughs> but I, I think it's again. I've said this before on the show. I find words fail me at times like these. This is a masterpiece in the truest sense of the word. And how did it score on our fan vote, player? Uh, quite well. In fact, it came first out of all the tracks on this album. A huge 59.91% love this track. Wow. And 31.13% like it. It's a 90%. So, yeah, it's, wow. it's way up there. People like this song, which is a shame that like he released it months before the album came out and didn't really do anything with it because potentially there's something there. So fans love this song. Okay, let's keep it moving to song number four. It is, of course, called The Gold Standard. The Gold Standard, crazy amazing. And Captain, take it away. This is the best track on this album by eight country miles. This, <laughs> this could be his best track in the last 10 years, easily for me. The thing is, nobody else could do this track, a, a song like this. This is Prince 100%. I mean, it might be a bit funk light compared to his older stuff, but still the point is nobody else does stuff like this. And nobody does stuff like this in you know 2014 that I know of that I listen to, but it's got the funky chicken scratch guitar, it's got a whole bunch of different pitched voices, it is funk on a stick in twenty <laughs> in 2014. It's got really cool acoustic guitar playing seventh chords just all over this track. Every time I hear it, I just it's good. And the horns, excellent horns all over this track. The backing vocals, they're just as good as anything he's ever done. It is a cool thing. During the new power slide section yes you've got the the little guitar thing suspended guitar notes going but there's this big scary organ chord behind that yeah minneapolis sound which is um it's just weird when you listen to that it's anyway the last 40 seconds of this track they're just classic you know it's it's 1994 all over again (laughs) it's great but i think now this song has been getting a lot of black album references and i think there's two reasons for that. One is simply using that low pitch down voice from a bunch of tracks on the Black Album like Bob George. But two, the second reason is simply by saying the lyric, the beat's too much, which is straight out of uh, Superfunk and Califragisexy. And once you've made that connection in your brain, you just keep finding links. But I think if that line, if those, you know, four words weren't in this song, the Black Album references would be much less than what they are. But after thinking about that for a while, I thought, is that just a coincidence? And then I thought, no, this is a very considered move by Prince. It's a very smart move by making us subconsciously link a possibly less good new funk track from Prince by linking it back to some of his funkiest tracks ever. Just by uttering those few, you know, evocative, memorable words, come on, that was no accident. I think that's what he did, and that's all. It's not beyond the realm of possibility that he employed that tactic. It It certainly makes the song funkier. It does. Once you've made that link in your brain, the song just seems better somehow. And it's four words and that low-pitched voice, and that's it. Straight away, you're thinking Black Album and that whole thing, and it just makes the song better. But I still say it's 
best track on this album. 100% best track on this album. The end. All right. <laughs> well, I think it's funky. It reminds me a little bit of the Peach and Black show theme, but the, hey, maybe that's just me again. It does, eh? <laughs> it's it's it, playful, it's funny. Bob George in 2014. See? Bob George, you, you're saying it too. Yeah, I, and I'm only saying it, it's not a direct copy or a replica. No, but it's similar enough George. for you to make that connection. Correct, correct. There's a comparison and a, and a connection that's being made there when I, when I hear it. And then on top of all that, you've got the, or underneath it, depending on your point of view, you've got this crisp and clean guitar. Really, it's a beat-driven dance song. It reminds me a little bit of Movie Star in parts in its playfulness. He's preaching to the people about the highest standard groove. My question to you guys and to the listeners is, does this reflect what the song is actually, you know, does the song practice what it preaches? Is this the highest standard groove on the album? Is this the highest standard groove you're going to hear on the airwaves in 2014? Let's keep that question rhetorical. But No, look, no, it's no, a- let's answer it. <laughs> Well, I'm almost done with my review. I mean, okay. this is a pump and funk track. It really loosens up the second half. Well, it's not even the second half of, of the album, but it, it loosens up the album at this point, and it creates a bit of a more of a jam feel. You know, the first three were, you know, the party hadn't started. This song gets the party started, and even though the guitar bits are pitch sequence and the bass pads are really rubbery, it's got a sheen. It's not a dirty... I would have probably preferred a dirtier groove, a bit more raw, but it does the job all the same, and this is definitely a, a song to blast through your speakers. I want to answer that question because I forgot... I did think about that, but I didn't write it down. I didn't say it. But it's a negative point. When Prince has got to the point where instead of just making a funky track, he has to say, this is the funky track. You should be dancing now. When it's gotten to that, it's not obviously that good. I disagree with you because I think this is a great song. But so do I. I, I do, I do, see, I what, like I do that, see what you're saying. I yeah. don't like that. This is the funky song, everyone. You don't have I think, to physically say those words. Yeah, yeah. but but this isn't this song doesn't proclaim that it is necessarily funky. I think what he's talking about in the song is more about remember the music that feeling used to give you back in the day. Similar to a musicology thing. It's like there was a gold standard of funk, there was a gold standard of groove and party tunes, and that's missing. So mm. here's my version of it for 2014. In that context, I think it works. It is the best song on this album, and I do think it's the best track he's done in years and years and years. But that's the only thing I really don't like about it is you don't have to say this is this you know this is the funk song on this album. Anyway, okay, player, you jam into this. Yeah, this song is funky. To me, it sounds like one of the fun '80s B-side classics he used to do, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like it's not as good as an A-side track because we know the quality of his B-side songs, but it seems to capture the fun of songs like that. The line "You don't need to be rude, you don't need to be wild" is kind of funny coming from the self-proclaimed rude boy who told us all <laughs> to get wild. But here, it's all about having style to a high standard or the gold standard, if you will. Musically, there's lots of Minneapolis sound on here, synth vamps, chicken grease guitars, deep bass growls, Camille voicings, nice horn head stabs and riffs. And again, listen out for the acoustic guitar. It is in there if you listen out for it. It's one of those nonsensical jams that has a funky groove that ticks all the boxes. With the exception of Crazy Amazing, I'm not totally sold on that line, but that's pretty minor. Um, yeah, he should have said balls. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made it much better, right? <laughs> exactly. The highlight for me is the dialogue towards the end. I really like the vocal he uses on the, his voice, and it's just funny how he sounds and what he's saying. And the, the abrupt ending makes me go, what the hell was that? You know? Well, you know, it's a f- nice funky groove. It's, it's a cool, cool song. Take it away, Toe Jam. It's a funky, funky track. 
It sounds to me, I think the song's a couple of years old, as in maybe like four or five, in that, I don't know why, but it seems to have like the same sound as Rich Friends to me. Like, obviously they're totally different songs, but it sounds, there's something about it that has no, that same sort of clean sound. Yeah, it's like the sort of, I don't know, the, the, the mixing or the mastering or something about it just reminds me of Rich Friends. Is this um, song, just sorry to cut in, but is this song louder to you guys than the first three? Because I, I turn the first three songs up pretty loud. And then when this one comes on, it seems like I've got to turn it down. It's like really like the clipping is audible. But anyway, maybe it's just me. You've got the big, you guys calling it the Bob George voice. I'm calling it the Elvira voice. Because the first time that voice comes out on a Prince track is, well, not a Prince track. It's actually the Brown Mark track. He had a single out. I think it was Brown Mark. And there's an Elviro character in there, which is a sort of deep, distorted voice. And so that's back, which is good to hear. You've got that hook that is really reminiscent of like Ice Cream Castle and, and Mutiny, that sort of... Real classic Prince little hook. I've got the word Party Man here. It sounds very much like Party Man to me. I've got the acoustic guitar in there, nicely placed, a little rhythmic bit that goes on nicely in the background. The pre-chorus bit where he says, uh, you don't need to be rude. That bit reminds me of the song 319. Lots of cool horn bits in there. There's a really cool horn bit in there that goes, but, 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 up. And I'm like, that's straight off Love Sexy right there. It sounds, that could be Eric Leeds in Atlanta Bliss playing that bit. There's a, a, a reference. There's a line about um, there used to be a time. Is that a James Brown song? I'm pretty sure. I'm sure there's a James Brown song called James Brown Tom. There was a time. There was a time. Yeah. So I reckon that's like a reference to that song, uh, which is cool. Lots and lots of vocal effects all the way through. There's some cool organ slides as well, just like sliding up to things like that. And I like the way he really hits the chorus on the one. You know, the gold standard on big one. That's cool. I love the line about where it breaks down and it has all the instrumental stuff and, you know, he's like conducting the band and everybody shake and you get that shaking sound coming in and. Uh, 24 carat hashtag. That, I don't, that's just a cool line. I don't know what he's talking about, but it sounds cool. Um, that's him trying to seem hip and cool. I know about yeah. hashtags. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> no, I think what he's saying there is like his his hashtag is is the business. Is 24, it, carat, is yeah. 24 carat meaning it's it's the gold standard of hashtags. So yeah, he gets them shaking and he gets them clapping off the beat and then he gets, gets them doing the bus stop, which is, I'm sure is an old song, but I'm not sure if that's the actual riff from it. I forget. Uh, and you've got that big slide part, which is just like really cool. And again, it has, I've written ice cream again. It just has like ice cream sweet sound going on there. And I love the breakdown towards the end, like everyone's saying, and descends. He you know, descends one semitone at a time. So he goes down to a different key. Uh, and that's that, like player said, it's just hilarious. You get all those bubble sounds going on and you get all this sort of rubbery whoop, 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 sort of sounds going on. And it just cracks me up when he's like, uh, get it in there, you know. Uh, I like it different, you know. <laughs> That's just hilarious. It's like it's like the song sort of goes in this little, you know, backdoor area, like uh, <laughs> not in that sense. But, That's terrible. Uh, but, What's you know, it? It's like it takes about? us a little detour just for twenty seconds or so. It's hilarious. It's great stuff. <laughs> it's just a funky song, classic. And again, I've written it's got that love, sexy black album sound, and it doesn't sound forced to me. It sounds just like Prince having fun in the studio, and it, he just happens to capture that sound again, which is great. I also think the song is a couple of years old as well. Because I remember maybe like a year after 2010 came out, I remember there were these rumors going around that there was an album and it was called like Amana or something like that. And so it had supposedly had like an Egyptian theme or something that never saw the light of day. And I swear one of the tracks on the supposed track list was called The Gold Standard. So yeah, I have a vague recollection of that. Interesting. Good one. And this song blends, I guess is the term to use. It blends into song number five which is entitled You Know. But before we do that... The fan vote. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, the gold standard is the second highest rated track on this album. Oh, yeah. And Breakdown. A massive 53.30% love this song and 32.08% like it. So yeah. it is the gold standard of tracks. Yeah. So so Breakdown was first. Yeah, followed by Gold Standard. This is second. Okay. Yeah. Not bad at all. Does anyone hate this track? No, no, no. one tick no one ticked the hate box on this song. So this and Good. Clouds were the only two songs that no one ticked the hate box on. How could you? Yeah, so it is it's the gold standard of um, Oh, songs. we forgot to mention there's cowbell in that song. <laughs> oh, you're right. There is a cowbell. I remember in our so first true. impressions, someone yeah. was saying, yeah. there's cowbell in the song, or That's in right. the album somewhere, and it's in this one. It yeah. is. Did you hear it, MC? <laughs> it's woodblock. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I haven't, but I've noted it down. <laughs> it might not be a cowbell, but it's something Who knows what it is. Yeah. Something metallic. Something being hit, struck. <laughs> Good pickup. Speaking of being struck, track number five, You Know. You know how much I want you. You know how much I care When you're gone, you know I'm on the front you. you know, you know, you know Who was struck by this the first time they heard it? That's what I want to know oh, But man. this is about the song You Know And with that, take it away, player I love this song You know what? I know there's a whole lot of people out there that think that it's blasphemy for Prince to sample an entire track and okay, he's used samples in the past, but only in small elements where they underline the groove and he plays the instruments over the top. Here, he just straight rips the Mila J track blinded. But you know what? This is so dope. I don't even care. Just listen to the music underneath the lyrics. There's heaps going on and it's running through some sort of flanger or something. It's hypnotic. It's banging. I love it. And then you got the Prince rap over the top, which his flow is, you know, even though it's pretty monotone, it's tight as. I know is, a lot of is people... Is it auto-tune? Or not? You know like, what? I can't figure that out. You know what? A lot of people say that, but like when I think of autotune, I think of T Pain, and like he like makes his voice really robotic. Like if he is using autotune, I don't pick it up on it. He probably is. I don't know. But, I but like is, when I think it's of like um, incense and candles, it's like that. It's like it's sort of there, but it's not overly present. present yeah, but yeah. in incense it's, and candles, it's it, minimal. The, the pitch changes here. It's more. Mo- yeah, it's kind of more obvious on that one, I guess. But. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't like his R&B stuff, like Captain. But this is different. This has what a, edge. a lot of people. I thought I was the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like his fluffy R&B stuff, like Emancipation kind of R&B. But this is different. This has an edge, like Black Street or something. You know, it's really sort of spacey and trippy. And that section where he does the rewind part, man, forget it. Who does that? <laughs> Thematically, I like the double meaning within the song and leaving it open to the interpretation. You know, is this being wrapped to his woman or is it his bittersweet love? letter to the music industry you can look at it both ways and i think that's kind of cool uh here he's the mac daddy again kind of like mr goodnight a little bit but here he's more edgy and cutting edge and most of all effective i love this song this is probably my second favorite on this album very very sexy i want to make love to this track it's so good (laughs) (laughs) okay somebody go get player a drink and a towel yeah. Um, you know, parts of this are based on, on the Milo J track, Blinded, but Prince does enough with it to make it his own. So I agree with what you're saying, player. It's a hypnotic groove and it's a really modern production. Yeah. And Prince, for the first time in a very long time, comes across swinging. Like he's, this is New Jack. You know what I mean? The Black Street is, it was a good... Only 20 years too late. <laughs> 
But, you know, I much prefer this to songs like Mr. Mr. Good. Exactly, Mr. Goodnight or Illusion Coma, Pimp and Circumstance. Yeah, definitely that one, yeah. Or even Incense and Candles. I mean, this one takes the cake and it's a great headphone listen as well. The production is sophisticated, it's modern, but it doesn't lose out in any department really. The one thing I will say about it is that really it's just a groove and Prince is waxing lyrical about all sorts of stuff. I'll let the listeners listen to the song and make up their own minds about what this is about. But the part that I really enjoy listening to is probably about halfway onwards where the song is sliced and diced and there's all sorts of cool acoustic guitars that are mixed actually quite forward in the mix which is really nice to listen to yeah this is this is one that i have to admit when it first came out i was really not feeling and i kind of it disappointed me when i first heard it and my expectations for this album as a result of hearing this song as a single were really really low and then you know look what happened it was placed in the perfect part of this album and it allows the album, the sequencing so far is brilliant. You know, it just allows the album to open up really nicely, organically and works really well. Uh, with that, let's take it away to Toe Jam. Take it away. Uh, I was going to pick up on that last point. I totally agree. At this point in the album, the sequencing is fantastic. And what a shame. I'll just say that for now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a, a love-hate relationship with this song. I, I don't know. It's The song's called You Know, but I'm saying I don't know. I'm sort of in that camp that's like, yes, there's some cool parts in it, and it's sexy, and it's got all this cool stuff in it, but, I mean, I just hope that Myla J is getting some big royalties for this, because it's basically her song, really. It's basically Prince doing some stuff over the top of her song, uh, or whoever it is that produced Yeah, that you're song. right. That That is an important point to, to bring out. And even though Player mentioned it, I think we, we should, probably should make a point of that. And I think, I kind of feel, I mean, she's not credited on the album, on the, the vague credits credits that are on there. And you think if someone deserved a credit, I mean, surely. Okay, that's, that's the thing. The verse starts on this hanging flat seven, which is really similar to Genomine's Tightrope. Obviously, Tightrope's a totally faster song, but it starts on that, you know, da 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 like the same sort of note, flat seven note, just this monotone note, and he does the same thing here, obviously, in a slower tempo. The first lyric of the song, he starts going on about his contractual in- endeavours. I'm like, oh, not again. It's going to be another song about <laughs> contractual obligations, but thankfully, it's only a, a quick, you know, quick reference to that. Very similar to Mr. Goodnight in the fact that it's got all this sort of wavy stuff going on in the background, all this like sort of atmospheric stuff going on in the background. That's really cool. There's some interesting lyrics in there, like just little phrases and things like answer to the cancer. That sounds cool. And the lyric about, I just like the way he delivers the line. I don't really care for the line so much, but I just like the way he delivers it, that whole feminine lies and not surprising, you know, when you're recognizing that the power of the breast is just a test. I don't care so much for the, for the actual words, but it's just, it's cool the way that line's delivered. And then he's like, what, winning? Is that a Charlie Sheen something, reference? Something winning. He's winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lots of vocal noises going on. That uh, running through it. I mean, that's pretty damn sexy. It is, uh, yeah. And like Play was saying, it's sort of or, a, or another word for that. Extremely annoying. <laughs> now, <laughs> now that uh, that uh, is that Myla J or is that who is that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's her from her track. All of those vocal noises are kind of run through this filter all the way through, so they kind of pop in and pop out. And I like it at 320, how you can just faintly hear the chorus in the background, but it's kind of like you're underwater in the shower and, and you're yeah. slowly moving your head back and suddenly you can hear, and then it comes in again at 330 and the chorus is full and big again. That's really cool, that effect. And there's a couple of little funny moments in it where it's got that sort of barbershop talk where it's like, oh no, he didn't, and what then? You know, <laughs> it's got, So it's like it's got this idea of he's telling this story at a barbershop Actually, about this... 
That that part that you just mentioned that reminds me of Slick Rick. He sounds like Slick Rick when he says yeah. that li- when he delivers that line. For anyone that knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah. what then? You know, it's like the court of sire, whatever. However, the Slick Rick album goes. Anyway, I digress. But yeah, that's pretty much all I've got to say about it. It's a good song. Like I, I enjoy it when it comes on, but there's just in the back of my head, there's always just this like voice saying, you know, but you know, he just ripped this off. You know, he just ripped it off. I'm like, no, it, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I won't get that far. He didn't rip it off. He he has made it his own thing, which is cool. I guess it's good to hear Prince doing something different in that respect. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, he's tried a lot of things in the past, and like one of the things he hasn't really explored is like sampling an entire track. Yeah, himself. I just think so it would have been nice. Different. It would have yeah. been nice to get a credit on there. I think like actually whatever the song was called, remix or something, or co-composed by Mo. Yeah, Mo I completely Mo. agree with you, Toe Jam, because I think it's. I think she's just who, honoured that it's on there anyway. I don't think yeah, she but, really cares. That's what I. That's what I've read. And that's fair enough. But regardless of what she thinks, he's been handing out so much credit in the last few years and putting a spotlight on artists. Many people will listen to this song and have no idea about what. Yeah. The four of us are talking about. And I think to Tay James' point, that's a real that's a real shame because her original track is also awesome. You know, the fact that he's arguably improved upon it and made it his own his his own is fantastic. But yeah, what well, what if the shoe was on the other foot? If Prince yeah, yeah, just kind of way Prince he doesn't, take that. He yeah. Does, yeah, he does Yeah, no more, way. Uh, there'd, there'd be a lawsuit. There'd be a lawsuit and I find that, I mean as big of a fan as I am of of this man's music, I think that's freaking ridiculous. I really do. It's just poor form. That's that's what it is. He might have sat down with her and said, "Look, I'm putting this song on the album." Who knows what the agreement is? Who knows what the what the handshake deal was? The point is, the whole underpinning of this song is someone else's piece of work. And if you don't say it's someone else's, nobody knows. Exactly. You know what I mean? Imagine imagine someone took "When Doves Cry," right? I mean, MC, MC Hammer. Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine someone contemporary took when doves cry some popular r&b or hip-hop act basically took the instrumental put some effects over it and it blew up and it was a smash regardless of whatever agreement or whatever conversation they would have had with him imagine the four of us imagine Mm. like a prince song no imagine a contemporary r&b song blows up on the charts in 2014 and the four of us immediately hear hold on a second He's just taken When Doves Cry and rapped all over it. That guy's a fraud. That's what we'd be saying. So why aren't we saying that about when Prince does... You know what, Tojem, you raise an interesting point, and I'm kind of now sitting on the fence about how I feel about this track just because of what we're talking about. I might also be going on a slight rant, so you'll have to forgive me. I find the song comes and goes in, in that, like, sometimes I listen to it and I really enjoy it, and other times I listen to it and I'm like, ah, oh, it's just a bit, of, a bit of a bland R&B thing. So I, That's why I say I have a, lo- a love-hate relationship with it at the moment. You just made me think of something, I see. You know, um, Snoop Dogg took Cool, the song, from the time, and he did like a modernized version of it, but he did it without permission with Prince. He just sort of took the whole song and released it, and yeah, Prince, Prince got in contact and yeah, had some choice words about it. So, so it's a similar sort of thing. Yeah, but the, the thing is, we don't know. Myla J could be completely cool with this, but I'm not even I talking she, about... She is. Yeah, and she's cool with it. I'm not talking about what's right or wrong from mm. from the point of view of getting approval to use her music. But what so, I'm talking like what I'm talking about is putting a spotlight on her. Why don't you just put a spotlight on her? <laughs> I just don't understand that. Lyric books. What are your- we need. Li- well, I mean, credit books. We need proper credit books again. Liner mm. notes that makes. Liner sense. notes. That's the word. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this, Captain? This track starts the this annoying trend of this it's usually a bunch of ascending notes and it's on many tracks on this album and it's in this one from the start of that it is so annoying it's the do do do's 
And it's very, very annoying. Am I the only one who hears that? Yeah, It's like cool. some horrible I, little... I like that. Oh, I hate it because it's on at least four tracks on this album. And I'll, I'll point it out when we get to them, don't worry. But uh, straight away, this is a, another musically lacking song for me. It's just a beat and a, yeah, three piano notes and, and the do-do-do-do's. The uh-huh, that's just super annoying all the way through the track. And, again, like Toe Jam said... We, you know, we shouldn't be surprised by anything you're saying, really. No, no, not at all. I mean, Toe Jam said, you know, some days it's just a bland R&B track. It's like that for me, 24 hours a day, every day of the year. <laughs> but, you know, at 147, you got the reverse section. I reversed it. It's not that clear, but it sounds like he says the answer to the truth is out there. Now, that's some X-Files shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to get David Duchovny on the line. That's all I'm going to What say. is that? <laughs> the lyrics... You know how much I want you. You know how much I care. That straight away. That not, not enough me. to give you credit on my album, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> straight away, that lyric reminds me a lot of another track. I think it's "However Much You Want" from the Child of the Sun album, but I'm not uh, sure. Yeah. But it, I think it is that one. Three fifteen. We get Prince on the telephone voice. That's standard setting in Adobe Audition. You know, I can do that. <laughs> it's nothing magical. <laughs> and then it's over. <laughs> and then it's over. So it's, it's not some cool effect that you can only do in a billion-dollar studio, you know. Anyway, this is like a few tracks on Plectrum Electrum. You know, it just it's just an album track. It just comes and goes, and it just passes by, and nothing happens. No way. It's just bland. There's nothing there for me. Again, nah. like clouds, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and play ahead of the score in the fan vote. Just top off Captain's Room. <laughs> Okay, this came six overall in the grand scheme of things. 40.57% love it and 41.04% like it. So 81% either love or like this track. So it ranks up there. And then down the other end, um, my friends. The, hate, the dislike was 2.83 and the hate was 0.94, so quite minor. So, yeah, like uh, people rank it. Now let's move on to The Ballad of Dorothy Parker Part 2. I mean, Breakfast Can Wait. <laughs> It is, of course, song number six, Breakfast Can Wait. Captain, why don't you start this one off? It's the Ballad of Dorothy Parker Part 2. No, it's which, not. Which is in no way a bad thing, but I'm not a huge fan of that track. This, to me, seems like a nice tribute to that sound. This song sounds very similar to that track. The sounds that he uses. And, but again, musically, not that much going on. When you really listen to it, there's a beat, there's a few bass notes, there's a bit of keyboard here and there. Mm. But once again, relying on the vocals to lead the song, but this does a much better job of that than You Know or Clouds does. The vocals on this are much better. It does have another very annoying do-do-do, just like the last track. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. That one. Yeah, it is that one. <laughs> it's got those doo-doo-doos. Um, but out of all these like R&B style tracks on this album, this is probably the strongest one on this album. I don't mind this song. But 249, for me, this song just goes to crap. It's just bad. I think the remixes don't have the... Some people call it the Donald Duck voice. Other people call it the chipmunk. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. But yeah, I think a couple of the remixes don't have that part, so they're the versions you need to go and listen to. That's a hilarious comment. I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the remixes, or you can just cut this song off at 2.49, and that's fine. But it's okay. Out of all the R&B songs, which I don't like, I dislike this one the least. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. <laughs> Good. 
I wonder what everyone else thinks about it. <laughs> Toe Jam, what are your thoughts on Breakfast Can Wait? Uh, well, this is the oldest of the songs, so it's hard for me to review it in the context of the album. Yeah. And I, I'm sure it's just because I've, I'd heard it for a good year or two before it, but I don't want to say it doesn't fit on the album, because it does fit on the album, but it's hard for me to hear it in context with the album, just because to me it's like from a different project, I don't know. But I love the song, I think it's, it's really slick, it's really smooth, it's just this groove all the way through, and... It's really growing on me at the moment. Like, I've always liked it, but the last few times I've been listening to it, maybe I'm getting used to it on the album, and I just think it's such a smooth groove. And I love the lyrics. The lyrics are just funny. You know, there's like these little jokes between, you know, two lovers kind of thing. It's not like he's taking it too seriously, but it's like, you know, these little moments between a couple, you know, and they're having this gag. Come on, baby, let's, let's, but I've got to go to work. No, come on. Like, it's hilarious. It's really positive, I think. I love the Rhodes keyboard all the way through. Just listen to the song and just listen to that keyboard because he's doing some real cool stuff. The whole song is really built on that burden, burden, burden keyboard riff. And you've got this like fun little marimba going on that do 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 do. That's oh. pretty cool. The chipmunk voice, I like it. I just, I find it's too loud in the mix. I think it needs to be just pulled yeah, back in the mix. It is loud. Very just, loud. It, when yeah. it first comes in, it's like, whoa, turn that thing yeah. down. <laughs> um, but I love that. The way he's like, guess who's in charge now? It's like, you know, this stupid little chipmunk going. <laughs> Yes, he's in charge. But the beat is so cool. I've written here the beat is really similar to the song Silicon. Just the sound of the kick drum and the snare. And I love the little background boop, 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 boop. And like these little clicks and that mixed in with this real clear and in-your-face kick and snare. Real nice R&B groove. So I, I really like this song. I think it's playful. I think it's grooving. And it's probably the most organic-sounding song on the album in that I don't think there's any synth bass in it. It's all, obviously, electric bass. The road sounds very live. Obviously, the, the beat sounds a bit... Even though it's probably programmed, it sounds kind of live enough. And I just think his, his vocals are just so slick, like with the chorus, you know. Uh, Finally, my eyes are open. It's just really slick stuff. Just showing his prowess on the slickness scale so yeah cool song uh, am i the only one who sees a ballad of dorothy parker reference here i see it a little like bit but not as much you've i mean got the Rhodes keyboard you've got a, a similar a beat you've got the vocal sound similar to me the sequel to dorothy parker is um what's that one on what do you Musicology? want me to do yeah what do you want me to do like that it's similar but uh, this is yeah. this is a lot more stripped back it's not as hectic as those two yeah like i agree with you captain it's got all those things that you said that it has, musically it does, but other than the fact that it has those sounds in it, yeah, I don't really hear it. To me, this is a like a modern R&B track by one of the best in the business to ever put this sort of music together. But by those standards, I shouldn't like it. <laughs> and I don't mind it at all. Really? <laughs> it's okay. Up until 2.49. A very specific point in the song yeah. when things change. Yeah, I'm with you, Tojim. I think this is a filthy, funky song. Chipmunk at the end is going off and it's brilliant. It's humorous. Great bass lines, the rhythm and the sexiness mixed together creates a really a real sexy song he's vibing and i think anyone who listens to this is vibing off of the funk and of the smooth grooves that you that are coming through your either your speakers or your headphones plus the arrangement is really locked in but it just sounds like honey like melted honey melted chocolate and buttercream fudge you throw anything else you want into that mix it's a come on track to do it to all i'm gonna say is ouch by the end of this track if things ain't happening it ain't it ain't gonna happen (laughs) 
So uh, with that, let's get a player. Uh, I'm going to sound like Toe Gems notes because they're nearly identical. I love this track, but don't get me wrong. I was kind of underwhelmed by it appearing here only because it's been around for over 18 months and it wasn't as fresh as the other tracks. So I was slightly disappointed by that. I know we've said in the past, um, you know, the word tack on sounds maybe a bit tacked on to this project. But to the positives, it does fit sound-wise on this album. It is a <clears throat> very well-written, produced and executed track and it's a great song thematically very clever and sexy musically the group is tight it's got finger snaps the fender roads really nice keys they bubble along heaps going on that you can only sort of catch on headphones particularly the bass and guitar and i agree the duck voice i could have done without i mean camille is okay i like the camille voice but this is like donald duck on helium like it's kind of grating when it suddenly pops out of nowhere but the song and the concept itself i really like i love this song uh, fan vote wise, it came tenth overall. Tenth out of thirteen. Yeah. So in the love, it only got twenty eight point seven seven percent of love. I wonder how like, much of that is affected by the fact by that it's been out that, for a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The like got the highest amount though, forty eight point five eight percent. So a lot of people like it, but you know, it didn't quite reach the love status. But no one really hated it either. The hate was only zero point nine four percent, so quite low. So the highest was like. So a lot of people like this track and maybe, like I said, it's um, maybe got to do with because it's been out for a little bit. I think we haven't talked enough about the lyrics. I think that there's so many cool little puns in there. There like, is, yeah. Little gags, like, you know, metaphors sure. about food and sex and stuff. Like, it's just, yeah. I might go through them, but it's just hot cakes really well done. in honey. Yeah. What was uh, the name of one of the remixes? Oh, they're they've all, all got, they're... They've got breakfast names. Yeah, you know, I know you're late, but I need another taste. Like that, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a cool. It's funny. I, I think that Donald Duck voice or whatever, however you want to call it, I actually think it works for me for some reason because it's just funny. I, I laugh the minute it comes in. It is a bit jarring because it's, it's louder, but it does work. I mean, it's a freaky song. If it wasn't already sexy, it, it became freaky sexy by by the time <laughs> that voice enters the mix. So, Let me yeah, explain it cool. this way, if I can. I was talking to someone the other day about how much I can't stand that that part of the song, <laughs> and the other person said, "That's that's Prince. That's why you listen to Prince songs is for these just totally insane things that he does. You know, if it was just the standard song, you know, we'd be going, oh, it's a bland R&B track, but it's just you know batshit crazy stuff that he does." Like that, that make Prince tracks. And then I thought, yeah, I guess. <laughs> what I like about <laughs> that's it part that, of it. Yeah, that's true. It kind of reminds me of the kind of thing you might record, and I'm sure Captain's done this. I know I have in many other... When you're like 15 and you're just starting out recording stuff and you're mucking around with the vocal effects and you put in some stupid thing with a high-pitched vocal just for the <laughs> sake of it because it sounds funny. And it's like, you know, it's good to see that, you know, he's in his 50s now, but he still has that, like, enthusiasm to do something stupid like that just for the fun of it. <laughs> like he, It's like he's not overthinking it, which is good. Hmm. Yeah. Well, with that, we come to the halfway point of the album, pretty much. Certainly, if you're listening to the vinyl copy, this ends side two or side B, oh, yeah. depending on your point of view. Instead of going all out and talking for another hour and a half to two hours about the rest of the tracks, what we will do is end the show here. This is the oh, this is part one, the end of I part talk one. For two more hours, <laughs> <laughs> and we will come back another day for yet another installment of the Peach and Black podcast when we review the second half of Artificial Age with our part two episode. And as we said, uh, I think early on when we started, even before we officially started recording, someone said, oh, I don't think we're going to finish this tonight. And whoever said that, I think it might have been Player. <laughs> you were right on the money there. Yeah, 
all in one go, I think a th- you know a three and a half hour show might be a bit too much for some people. Some people, th- some people think that an hour and a half is too much <laughs> listening to us. So some people think thirty seconds is too much of listening <laughs> to me talk. But that's that's something for another day. That's very true. And um, we've gone deep on this album so far. A lot of interesting opinions being thrown around, perspectives. We know what Captain thinks of much of this material. It is really an R&B album, so that says something. And uh, let's see, yeah, what the second half of the album sounds like, what we all think, and whether we're getting into it or not. Look out for part two. It's coming. Coming soon. Something big is coming. Is gonna be there. (laughs) And thanks for listening. You can find us on peachandblack.podbean.com. You can also find us at our Peach and Black Facebook site, Twitter, and... All good music stores. No. Um, yes, we still use Twitter and Facebook and all, all those things, which some people have just decided not to use. <laughs> well, we've got, we've got, you know. And we don't even have a contractual obligation to do these things. That's true. We, but we've got, we've got things to promote. We can't, we can't leave the internet behind. <laughs> we need to promote this show. But um, again, thank you to everyone who listens. We really appreciate your support and your feedback and your comments and your continued persistent listening. Bye-bye. See you later. (laughs) See you later, alligator. In part two. (laughs) 